0: For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com.
1: This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not replace your own financial, tax, legal, or financial product advice.
0: Welcome to My Millennial Property. You're with John Pidgeon, and Emily Wallace isn't with us today. Uh, I'm just going solo for this one. I've got a really special guest that I'm excited to, to interview today. So I welcome David Neridal to the team. Welcome, David.
2: Hey, buddy. How are you? Good to be here.
0: It is, uh, well, more exciting for me. I've um, had the pleasure of being coached by you for the past, well, basically we met in I think it was 2007, maybe start of 2008. And I must say before I hand it over to you, prior to that time, I think my journey started as a property investor in 1999, started 2000. And I was like a lot of property investors, just going through the motions, buying property because I liked it with no rhyme nor reason, and enter to my life, David Neridal who um slapped me about the head a few times and and uh, and got my structure in, in place and uh, and definitely gave me the knowledge that I'm very grateful for today and, and have the pleasure of passing it on to, to other people. So there's a wrap for you, David.
2: Thanks, buddy. It's been a fun journey working with you guys. It's um as you probably know, mindset's most the most important thing. You can stuff a lot of things up and not be set up the right way, but if you've got the right mindset and determination, you know you can you can sort anything.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, um, look, what a few things that you taught me early days, and and they carry with me both personally, but as I said, professionally. One of them was to always think about your your true values and beliefs, and and live organically, uh, which is something I know you do. 110 percent um the the second one was to think strategically and and think for the long term uh before you just rush in short term so they're two things that i learned from you as the major key takeaways um do you want to expand on those two for a minute
2: yeah well i'm probably not typical um for a property guy, because, and it's kind of sounds even a bit funny to say because I don't, I've never even been passionate about property because I've always seen property as the vehicle to, to create the life that I want. So that kind of ties in with what you're saying. And, um, and then I kind of, you know, in the early stages, you kind of try things and you're still learning and you kind of often. Mate, one step forward, two steps back, and it wasn't until I, I think I read that book, The Seven Habits of Highly Successful People, and I talked about starting with the end in mind, and that's where the goals became um, very evident. So our goals were the things that motivated us to go and do the property, and um, you know we had some big goals in that regard, tra- mainly travelling and helping our family were the kind of fundamental ones. But from that point, then we had to think very clearly. Every strategy we took had to link in with our goals and what we were trying to do. Otherwise, you know, as you jump on the property journey, as you know. John, it's not always fun and it's not always easy. And unless you've got something lined up at the end um, that you're doing it for, um, you kind of go sometimes question it. But if you do it effectively, it can can change your world.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And and yeah, I must add, as you mentioned, property has always been a a tool for, for you and not 100% 100% a passion, which is also intriguing. You don't um, come down from the Gold Coast with a, um, a gold chain and a suit and tie um, <laughs> like a, a lot of people that we see, which, which definitely resonated with me, um, especially early days. And, and as you know, my lovely wife, Amy, she sees that sort of smell a mile off. So um, she was very appreciative that we, was, we were working with someone that was very o- organic in their, in their nature.
2: Yeah, man, that's the reason we live on the the hinterland up in the scenic rim, not down the bottom. You know, that's the organic place. You can you can you can be close to the hustle bustle but not in it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, and shout out to everyone living in the Gold Coast, beautiful part of the world. So, for the listeners, I wanted them to experience um, someone that's that's been there and done that, and and someone that's um, been on a journey. That's uh, I suppose. A lot further on than than where they may be at at this point in their life from a, a financial wealth point of view. So, can you go back a a while and and tell us your journey and just how it started out for you?
2: Yeah, well, um, I definitely didn't come from money, and um, you know, we got we brought up, we grew up south of Sydney down the south coast, and um, you know, we grew up in a housing commission house with only two rooms and um, three boys in one bedroom, and it, there wasn't kind of a lot of extra cash flow, even though both our parents worked full time. I knew nothing about debt. I knew nothing about money other than, you know, if things were kind of special, we'd have ice cream and we'd be able to go and, um, you know, go out and get some takeaway. But other than that, money just didn't seem to exist. So I was, and then I realized later on in the journey that they survived a lot on credit card debt And personal loans and I think mainly credit card debt to to just keep on filling the gap. And of course I didn't understand that at that point. And and they finally did get their own home when they're um with um through the help of some family, but their interest rate was eighteen percent. And I again I was oblivious to this this thing of paying this amount of money. But what it did as I got a little bit more understanding, I was really, really scared of debt. So my my, I, my journey was one that how, to, how do I not be like my parents it was I love my parents dearly but I didn't want to have their life because working hard just for the sake of working hard didn't seem to get you ahead and um, I went off traveling for six months came back four years later and traveling really opened my world to the possibilities of what life could offer um, away from that small town mentality but Invariably, I, I love that freedom of traveling, that spontaneity, and I wanted to work out a way to make enough money to be able to continue that lifestyle. And that's kind of really where things started Um the reality is I was working in a job, but I could see the job wasn't going to get me further ahead. At the, at the age of 22, I saw my boss at 32 and I was working in retail management, have his third heart attack. So I realized that wasn't kind of going to be a great career path. So then I went down the, the process of studying and went and did a business diploma and was going to do a degree. But after two years of getting really good results, I also realized a degree in formal education wasn't going to give me the freedom and lifestyle I wanted and um, because I didn't want to be a, an accountant for the rest of my life or a you know a, a marketer for the rest of my life or those types of things so then it was back to like we, we'd saved some good cash we had 100 grand in the bank and then we go right but well, that was for our travels and it wasn't until I kind of had my first step into property where I got invited to an event to kind of hear about property and it sounded really dodgy because it says it was advertising how you could buy property for nothing and uh, I really went along to this presentation just to disprove it and, and kind of the rest is history because it opened the door and um, that's where this first kind of step happened.
0: Yeah cool. I suppose two two takeaways from that the first part being that you you weren't born into money, which is a very common story, and and you're actually running away from what you didn't want, seeing your parents sort of um, struggle through when when you were a child. So that that's a really common one, and uh, and and I meet a lot of people daily that are that have that similar sort of uh, experience, and and they want to take it into their own hands and have more drive than a lot of others that uh, that are maybe bought um, entered into money and they appreciate the the gains going forward. The, the second part of that uh, is what I'm hearing, um, I, and I think, I know the answer to this, but what I'm hearing is more of a cash flow quadrant story where you, the left-hand side of the quadrant, uh, trading time for money, uh, self-employed, running your own business, being in control, but if you leave, you don't get paid sort of scenario, really resonated with you and you, you wanted to have a lot of exposure to the right-hand side. Is that right?
2: Yeah, well, I think the big thing was the idea of working hard is, is still something I've got no issue with, you know, I've got no issue in working hard. But the, 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 the rigidity of the employee model is what I hated. So the flexibility that you have on the other side where you're self-employed means you can work hard, but you do it in your own time when you want to do it with who you want to do it, um, ideally doing something you love. Um, so that 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 was kind of the first step to i suppose give a little bit of freedom that you wouldn't get in a normal nine to five and um and that alone was just enough to put a bit of a smile on my dial and at least realize that at least i had my own time and there was a big mindset change when i had when i worked i went back um after we got got a lot of assets we um hit a point where interest rates went up and we really got tight on cash flow and i went back to work for 12 months and i really had a kind of negative mindset saying i've got to go back to a job but in the end my mindset shift was that it goes no i'm my own boss I'm choosing to do this because that's what I need to do at this time to help the cash flow, but I'm not I'm not kind of stuck in that quadrant. It's just a step in the journey. And the distinction between knowing your own boss, regardless of whether you're in a job or self-employed, because you're doing it heading towards your own goals, is the thing that really, um, I suppose, softened and allowed that journey to kind of just evolve and come out the other side, and that's where things opened up.
0: Yeah, interesting, and, and listeners – you're probably thinking, well, let's cut to the chase and get to property. But, and one thing you have taught me, or more than one thing, but this one in particular is, it's the property is the vehicle. Uh, it's it's finding out what you're passionate about, which is essentially that that journey that you took to to understand your true values and and live that so that you you're not doing the nine-to-five grind and and trying to look for a quick exit through property or shares or whatever it may be, Um, they're they're all an additional uh, bonus to your life that's going to create choices.
2: Yeah. I think there's a lot of marketing out there that I kind of call, you know, kind of false marketing where people are sitting down and going, well, you can make a million dollars overnight and then you can stop, have enough money coming in passively and then you don't have to work. And it might get people excited initially, but when you really sit down with people, I don't know anyone that wants to not work. Most people are just in a situation where they want to work less, have more flexibility, work when they want, do something of value and do it with people they enjoy. So, I'm now at the idea, I never want to retire, I want to keep working forever, but you know, we're doing it in that model as opposed to feeling you have to get stuck in a job. And property, my goal with property was to be in a position by the time I was in my 40s um, where I had flexibility of time and by 50 to not have to work if I didn't want to. And and now, I, I want to keep working, but I just do it when I want to and you know, to work half the hours I used to do.
0: Yeah. Awesome. So we're going to take a break now. And and when we come back, we're going to talk about, I suppose, your portfolio and and how it um, progressed over time, um, but then expand more into what you're you're doing now and, and what the next journey or portion of the journey looks like for you. Awesome.
1: plushcare.com slash weight loss.
0: Okay, so before the break, we we got a good intel into David's beliefs and and what he was after, uh, how he grew up and how that mindset shift changed when he started working for someone and and then went out um, on his own journey and started buying property. Um, David, can you talk to us about that property journey for you and, and not every property and what you paid and where it was, but how, I suppose that you mentioned at the start of the show that uh, property is not always easy and there's struggles. So the ups and downs and how that um, looked like for you.
2: Yeah, well, yeah, I will definitely yeah, happy to share that. Um, one of the key things I think there was the breakthrough point with me that kind of will link in is when I first kind of did my learning education, it was when we kind of got to the information around finance. And I understood there was this concept of 100% finance, where if you understood finance, understood cycles and had the right strategy, you could actually buy a property with 90 row money. And I realized there was all these developers out there building big high rises and things and I go well how come as a normal residential investor we don't know how to do that and why that was so important was that we could keep a hundred thousand dollars buy some assets but still go traveling so it was almost your cake and eat it too so that kind of gives you a little bit of context because that allowed us to continue to roll our equity um we were kind of the the premise was to stay in the capital cities with the big population bases the you know big big employment um, lots of money in the economy plenty of drivers there but um, so we started in that marketplace and we were able to buy our first couple of properties with none of our own money just because we understood the timing of the market, understood the finance and then took the right strategies. That really helped us because it gave us a massive springboard and, um, and we, were, we actually kept our capital as well. Um, and, you know, the timing of the market is another factor that's so important where the average person just tends to buy where they live and wait. We bought, started in Sydney, but it was the right time. And then we we're able to shift our decision-making around the rest of the country from Melbourne to South Australia to Queensland and try and get into the market each of the times. And um, sometimes we chase cash flow. Um, in the beginning, we didn't go regional, but in the in the beginning, we met more capital growth and more quality assets. As we moved forward, we moved into more cash flow assets and we moved in some of the regional areas um, to give some balance to the portfolio. And some properties, we had trading, trading properties we had for a few years other assets we still have today. Uh, But ultimately, we've sold down a lot of the cheaper ones to then buy, you know, create a situation there was no debt in our home and and go and buy land because that was our our end goal.
0: Yeah, so let's backtrack a little bit and just uh, talk about this 100% finance business because it may be new to a lot of listeners and and that may have been, I don't know what year that was when you first started doing that, but um, finance is very different today and what do you see the the finance difficulties um, present today? Yeah,
2: look, that 100% finance was certainly something that was um, – the banks were a lot more flexible at that time and you could get that. I don't know anyone who's getting 100% finance the same way as that anymore. In saying that, um, obviously, understanding the power of leverage is important because the average person thinks they've still got to probably do a 20% deposit and, and, uh, and, and they want to avoid that insurance. So they – Try and save for deposit and kind of never get in. So understanding leverage is important, but certainly lending criteria has got harder um, to get a loan. Um, as far as the assessment from the banks, as far as they have a lot more visibility of, of all your transaction. I was speaking to my broker the other day, and something that was interesting, she said historically they would do an assessment on your living expenses, and then you know kind of all the other, all the money you kind of just spend on the side for your for your habits, your coffees, your cigarettes, your, your takeaway were never kind of visible. But now because everyone's encouraged to kind of everyone swipes their credit card for everything the banks are now going through every single transaction and the broker said to me they had a client recently who smoked cigarettes and that took that was five hundred dollars a month and that equated to fifty thousand dollars less they could borrow and uh, i don't smoke cigarettes but i certainly have a cup of coffee every day and even that's five grand a year when you add it up if you have two coffees a day and that knocks off almost twenty five grand off your serviceability and so people don't really manage their money. They just look at their bank balance and that gets them into a lot of trouble um, when they're going to get financed today. They've got to be... And banks want to know your goals, that you've actually got goals. So they're, they're really making it a lot harder. So if you just go and expect to get a loan now, you probably won't even get through the door if you just rock up.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Look, I, we could uh, we could talk for hours and, on that topic alone. I want, wanted to ask you about... The three phases that I suppose you taught me early on um, in respect to property investing. So, acquisitions phase is the the period where you you're building your portfolio. You're continuing to to save for deposits or pull equity out to 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 go again. And when the right time to buy is when we've got the lending and the and the deposits to do so then into consolidation phase, then into lifestyle phase. And I, I think for me, when you first taught me that, it, it, what it gave me was a, a look at the longer term, not just the short term where I'm thinking um, I'm buying property and, and then I'll grow my portfolio, but I don't really know what, what the end result is.
2: Yeah, I think there used to be this thing for many people, certainly when the lending was a little bit easy, where you just kind of bought assets and it was almost like a, a status thing and people would jump into renovating or jump into buying regional properties and cash flow and they would just try and own as many properties as they could. But invariably, they were in one area and usually only using one strategy and got stuck. So the acquisitions phase is quite fun because you are, it's a new process, you are getting the assets and there's that side attached to it. Um, but if you don't have the right mix of assets and if you don't have the right mix of locations, we used to call it the migration of money. That's why we didn't just stay in Sydney. That's why we moved to other states and different types of assets. But once you've got your assets together, yes, you need your lending. And at a point, your lending will, 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 will kind of max out. And then at that point, you either got to bring cash flow in And we actually personally had a good group of friends that were educated and we did some joint ventures as well where some person, another person might not have had a deposit, but they could take on a loan. And we did some stuff there as well, which was was really powerful and allowed us to continue growing. But of course, we hit a wall and, and that's where your consolidation phase comes in. And to be honest, that was the area we really weren't taught about at all. And where's the area where the most stress was? Because once you know how to buy, it's actually not that difficult. Finance is difficult, the process, property process. But trying to hold the assets, if you've got five or ten properties and um, your life changes and you lose a job or you get sick or you play, something changes in the economy and interest rates go up, there's a lot of fluctuations there and they don't really teach you what have you got to do to hold your position um, because that's more like running a business. And it's all the fine-tuning that a lot of people don't often love. It's the stuff that is it not exciting, but if you don't do it, you can get really hammered. And that's talking to brokers, managing property managers, managing your rents, manage your interest rates, a whole range of things there that is kind of like maintenance.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's really important, isn't it? And I think at the start, it's it's really understanding what your strategy is before you execute, and and knowing what your second property will look like, and and maybe even third property. But if you haven't got that end goal in mind, um, that's where consolidation can become very hard. And as you said, invariable, people have to to sell, and and the the whole property thing doesn't work for them.
2: Yeah, and you, you, you often find there the people that have bought at the kind of top of the market. And they're kind of jumping in before because I don't want to miss out, that old FOMO thing. And they invariably make a bit of money. They're kind of driven by that, I've got to get in, but invariably often overcapitalize, pay to match. And then their market slides and they try to hold and interest rates go up. And they they just sit in a place where the property just represents a lot of pain. But to me, you can't really get property wrong. If you buy at the right time and you've got and you manage your money and your finances, you should never, ever be in that position. Um, And it's only the uneducated to get there, well intentioned, but it's a fatal mistake that take a lot of people out of the market Um, and of course the strategy i would use today and i'm using with the clients i work with is totally different to what i used back then because the world has changed and finance has changed the market has changed so the strategies having the right strategy for the right time is crucial as opposed to just going i'm a renovator or i do options or you know it's 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 what is the most best use now that will get you the best equity with the least risk in the shortest time to help you get your goals and that's obviously leading on to your lifestyle so yeah a lot of your assets, to me, the key for lifestyle is actually getting rid of debt, getting rid of all debt on your home. So you're debt free on your own home and you have no bad debt. And eventually then working to get the debt um, off your investment properties or roll your assets that you bought earlier into the quality assets that you want. And invariably have less, less, having less assets. It might sound nice to have 10 or 15 properties, mm-hmm. but it's a it's not so easy to manage. It's much easier to manage three or four or five good quality properties with no debt. But it's a process, of course, and the last bit's to you, where you're kind of linking into your lifestyle and um, yeah, creating the vision that you have for yourself.
0: Yeah, uh, awesome stuff. So going forward, uh, what, what's the next phase of your life look like for you? Um, you you're, you're still a young man in relative terms. <laughs> what, uh, what do you see the, the next 10 to 15 years is like for you? Is, is a further property acquisition? Um, well, what's the story?
2: Yeah, look, to be honest, um, it's more, again, linking back to the, the purpose and the reason for, for doing something and I'm really passionate about helping um, younger couples and uh, young families get into their own home and this kind of sounds a bit funny because historically I've never been one for, saying buying your own home. We we rented for 30 years by choice and then bought investment properties to make us money. Um, but I've, I'm married to a Kiwi with a Maori background and the reality is there's a lot of people that come out from New Zealand, a lot of people live in the Gold Coast that want to get their first home. And for, we've actually got a, a market at the moment with low interest rates and a lot of free money that they can get their own home. The difference is we're sitting down and teaching them how to get understand the money, get their goals right, understand the money, understand the finances, then get their home but buying the home with a pretense to create equity to leapfrog to their first investment property. So they're, they're setting a position up in the future to give them choices as opposed to historically a lot of people would buy their own home at a very high debt and a very high interest rate and they go from two incomes once they start a family down to one, then they'd be stuck. So this way is I suppose a bit of legacy and I think the thing that's most powerful is that when I'm talking to couples that they really want to teach their kids and um i've got a lot of couples that my age and they're kind of 30s and they they know how to work hard but they weren't educated by their parents and taught in the system and they really do want to help their kids and um so that's kind of where i'm most passionate in operating and helping them through the whole process not just doing a one off transaction you know
0: yeah sure okay and uh, and and personally um you have uh, telling the listeners you've got got some land that you're quite passionate about. Um, is, there, is there going to be further acquisitions and what's happening on that land?
2: Yeah, no, look, I'm not rushing out to make any further acquisitions at the moment. Um, we've got nine acres and we've bought that um, with some friends and we're kind of working on a community-type vision to actually have something – teach people i say some of the life skills that a little bit a little bit lost almost in a a generation or two just about you know growing your own food um some sustainability even things simple communication skills and goal setting and money management and then we've also got another project where um one of our team is um learn about how to build dome structures out of air concrete, which is sounds a bit wacky, but the reality is um we've just completed our first first one and we've got our first graduates who've learnt this process who are gonna build a house that's been council approved out of this aircrete. Now it's just concrete and, and soap suds. But the thing is, the real important thing is, the first dome we've built, it costs fifteen hundred dollars. So I'm kind of going, if I can teach a young person how to build this and maybe they can do it within their community, um, then maybe they can have a, a mortgage of only 25000 or 50000 and work three days a week and do something they love or get their whole family together and build a house. Like the yeah. couple that are doing it, they're building their house and it's a whole team coming together and we've finally got an engineer and a, a certifier that's got behind it and we've got a councillor approved. So that's that's pretty exciting kind of opening up i'm not the builder but i certainly see the vision it's exciting
0: yeah that's unbelievable and it it, again it reinforces the the fact that we're not here to drive fast cars and and big boats and uh, massive homes and and uh, look all fancy it's actually quite the opposite to to normalize and simplify your life so that you get that balance that you're after and and i think that's really rung true for me again today is that that ability to keep it simple, um, be smart with your strategy and to know your long-term outcome and, and do what's right for you and and not what uh, the public perceives you should be doing, I suppose.
2: Yeah, well, as you know, John, probably one of the mo- my most favourite things to do is sit down with some good friends with a like mine and have a glass of wine at the end of the day and that's probably a glass of red wine, that is, and um, then that's maybe South Australian. And um, that's kind of, that's your reward and... Um, yeah. And I see a lot of the other a lot of young people now, not single them out, but are getting themselves stuck in a lot of debt and they're spending their money before they've got it and now it becomes a real trap. And ultimately when you really do sit down with most people, they just want to look after their family, you know, have food on the table, um, do something that again hang out and have fun with people they like and enjoy and be, do it with their family. I mean, that's always comes back to that. So you don't need a lot of money for that. But I still believe in having good financial buffers so you so you don't get caught up in kind of a lot of the fear that's out there because if you you know what you're doing and you've got good buffers in place you don't get freaked out by things you just go right this is going on well i need to change my strategy or i need to change what i'm doing with my money or with my buying or whatever it is and it's it's very clinical it's data driven it's no your emotions are not getting pulled into it which is a crucial thing with investing you know be emotional about your goals don't be emotional about property investing It's just step by step.
0: No, absolutely. And, uh, yeah, look, I've taken some key things away from that again today. A lot of reinforcement there, and I'm sure for the listeners they've got a lot out of it as well for someone that's been there and done that and and still passionate about um living not so much property itself but but uh, living your the best version of your life in general so uh, david appreciate you taking the time to come on and uh, and yeah look forward to chatting to you mate, soon it's a
2: pleasure great to have you in our life and uh, look forward to the future
0: okay sounds good see you mate okay bye Taking your property journey to the next level starts with education. That's why we make this podcast, but we've also created online courses to equip you with the knowledge you need to take the next steps. I've created the Solvair Online Academy open to both first home buyers and seasoned investors, where I share my tips and experience from 20 years in the property space. And I've created the Buying Coach, built from my experience as a buyer's advocate, to demystify the confusion around purchasing property, particularly for first home buyers. Follow the links in the show notes to sign up and